This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Love has bridged the high-rises of despair we were about to fall between. Love has been a penlight in the blackest, bleakest nights. Love has been a wild animal, a poultice, a dinghy, a coat. Love is why we have hope, writes the beautiful Anne Lamott in her new book, Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. And just ahead, she speaks the four words that gave me a huge shazam, a little prayer of sorts, See if you can hear it. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. Anne Lamott is the New York Times bestselling author of Hallelujah Anyway, Small Victories, Help Thanks Wow, Some Assembly Required, Grace Eventually, and many others. She's also written seven novels, including Imperfect Birds and Rosie. A past recipient of a Guggenheim Fellowship, Anne Lamott lives in Northern California, but she knows this corner of my beautiful New York. I was in the Hudson Valley for several months uh, a few years ago. So Hudson Valley, right? Yes. So where did you stay in the Hudson Valley? I had a boyfriend in Rhinebeck. Mm. And um, yeah, isn't that that the same Dutchess County? You betcha. Right up the Hudson. A beautiful, beautiful spot. Beautiful this time of year. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for this new book, Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. I'm so thrilled to speak to you because I run a lot of women's groups and seminars and retreats and often someone will quote you and say who said that and they'll say Uh Anne Lamott and somebody well there's often a chorus that says oh I love her oh thank you so on behalf of all the women at the women's groups and myself thank you for what you write why did we need notes on hope now well I realized uh, last summer probably a year and a few months ago that I had become toxic on the opposite on um on hate and hostility and and uh and, and just hopelessness and that I was a part of the problem and I'd always heard in recovery if you've got a problem go look in the mirror and I started to wonder um what in me I could change since I cannot change the current political reality I could start to look at my own uh contribution to the ugliness and the, and then it, every single person I know and love, every person I'm close to, felt hopeless and just felt kind of doomed and immobilized by it. So I started writing this funny little book on all the places we can turn to feel renewal or hope. Like even in the horror of Pittsburgh, what we saw was a young person calling for a, a rally and a, and a, a gathering of the, all the bereaved and all of the the precious community that needed to be together, that needed to be able to look into each other's faces, their crying faces and their faces that were committed to a new way of living together. And so, you know, in the, there's a chapter in almost everything called All Truth is Paradox, and it's even in this catastrophe and the coldness and the evil and the whatnot, we see, we see beauty, we see community, we see, we see um, people getting galvanized again. Mr. Rogers' mother always told them when there was a tragedy um, or a, a catastrophe, look to the helpers, and that's where you would feel hope again. And and I believe that with every ounce of my being. So there's also a chapter called.
called um, Don't Let Them Get You to Hate Them. And I had gotten them in the generic and paranoid sense of the word them to, um, to get me to hate them. And I wanted all I can do is to change me. Bless them, change me. Bless them, change me. When did you first develop a relationship with a higher power? Oh, you know, I my family were we were an atheist family, and um, so I was raised being told that there was absolutely no no truth to anything that had to do with God. We were intellectuals. We were avant garde. We were. My dad worked for an avant garde um, magazine, and um, I had this secret thing inside of me that it caused me a lot of shame, which was that I had a feeling that there was a greater, deeper, richer reality that we couldn't see, and that if I said hello to something quietly and invisibly in the in the dark of night and fear, that something heard me. And so I always had spiritual friends. If you read oh, so many of my books, I talk about having had a... Um, my best friends were Christian scientists, and so at six years old, I would sit there in the morning in this huge armchair with their three kids and the mother, and I, she'd read scripture to us, and she would say what Mary Baker Eddy, Mrs. Eddy said, which was that I was a beautiful, stunning, perfect child of God, which I really wasn't getting anywhere else. And um, that's when I first believed it, and then I found, I found secret communities of all different religions and faiths and Buddhism and Easter and Hindu and Ju- and Judaism. I found families and I stayed really close to them and I wanted to hear what they knew. But also I didn't want to get busted by my family for believing these ridiculous things, which were that we were, um, that we were loved and safe and that there was a path of light and and goodness yeah. that I was a part of. Well, you're out of the closet now. How did the family take it? Um, well, let's see. What ha- I, I never really came clean. It was okay in my family to be a Buddhist. Uh, the great Alan Watts had a, um, a Sunday morning show on KPFA, which was our left-wing Pacifica radio station, and my dad listened to that because because of the avant-garde poetry and books. It, a lot of that was Buddhist, and he he had a um, he had a real love and appreciation for Allen Ginsberg, Allen Watts, every, my course Gregory Corso, and um, and so that was about as far as I could take it to do that with him, to listen to that with him. Then he got very very sick when I was twenty three, and um, and then I really really relied on on this beginning faith journey and didn't really share it so much with him but was kind of saved by hospice also came along when my dad got sick that's 40 years ago now and um, hospice is it's not a spiritual path but it's a path of the human spirit of, of helping tend to people at the, the very, very scariest, worst times. And so that came into our lives, and, and that was fine. That, that and Buddhism were okay, and then my dad died. Then I got to believe anything I wanted. Mm. We're talking to Anne Lamott. Her new book is Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. What is your spiritual practice like now? What do you do to stay centered? Well, I'm a nice Sunday school teacher. I go to church most Sundays down the street in a very, very tiny, very integrated uh, sort of sanctuary church. um, I'm in recovery, so almost every day I'm with other people who have had to find any kind of higher power they can manage. I meditate, and I'm outside all the time, and that's 
that's really where my spiritual um, uh, centering begins, is to get out of myself, become a person for others, the, the service to the poor, service to the suffering, the scared, the sad, the overwhelmed, the overloaded, maybe just other mothers whose kids are scaring them to death, is where I get filled up. And... Um, Taking my dogs for hikes, I would, or even just down the street to the park, is probably about, you know, eighty percent of my salvation. You know, before I turned on Woody Allen, he used to say that eighty percent of life was just showing up, and that's where it all begins. Yeah, show up, take your dogs for a walk. Um, so when we talk about notes on hope, what kind of what kind of advice? Well, first, the first advice is everybody go out and get this book, one for yourself and one for a friend. We can start to change the world that way. Thank you. We can. We do. It really is small things with great love. It's not necessarily buying my book. But on the way out the door, you see the person across the street who is really overloaded, overwhelmed, and, and, and wants to pick up the litter in front of their house and can't. And you go over there and you say to the person, hi, how? are you doing and that could change your whole day that could change the whole day and that's just what i was going to ask give us one small thing we could do to uh, instill hope in the world do you have another one um yeah go visit your crankiest relative that is lonely that no one wants to be with because they're so crazy and they're so annoying and they're so full of judgment and and go visit them take them a small bouquet take them take them um a brand new pair of socks and show up for them and look into their faces and say hi how are you doing if you bring hope to them your day will be filled with hope because you brought it and lamott her inspiring new book is almost everything notes on hope yes i have a copy email me from the website kcasey.co if you haven't won a book in the last 60 days you are welcome to enter and did you hear that little prayer bless them change me i never heard that before It sure does concisely state the bedrock beliefs of some major philosophies and religions. And if we lived by it, we'd have heaven on earth. Bless them, change me, and Lamont. Hi, it's Casey. You're listening to Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, podcast number 524. Randy Turner at WHUD counted for me. Crazy. So I'm out on the road with another Shine On talk called Lessons from the Health and Happiness Show. Find me in Pleasantville November 8th. This Monday night, we have a circle of support open to anybody who's working on anything. Come talk about it at Marion in Ossining. November 11th, we return there for a special program for women who have been violated. We're going to have a healing program. Very discreet. Nothing will be asked of you. And November 15th, I'm hosting an evening with psychic Priscilla Kerasy, a fundraiser for scholarships. All the details at kckacey.co. Sign up for the newsletter there and get an inspirational thought for the day, too. We'll be right back with a tool that can put life coaches like me out of business. But you may find it fun. Everyday Tarot is next. Together, we can turn a stairwell into an ER at a moment's notice. Together, we can turn a rescue ship for refugees into a maternity ward. Together, we can vaccinate 710,000 people in just 11 days. 
Together, we can deliver medical care where the need is greatest. Together, we are Doctors Without Borders. Doctors Without Borders goes where others don't to provide life-saving medical care to people caught in crisis situations around the world. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for shining on today. If you're listening on SoundCloud, hello and thank you. Can we be friends, please? Leave me a comment. I can see how many listens I get. I'm closing in on 20,000 SoundCloud listens. You don't react. Let's be friends. Come closer. Give me a like or a hello, please. Now, let's unlock our inner wisdom. I have twice tried to teach myself tarot, even took a class once. It does not stick to me. Enter Bridget Esselmont, founder of Biddy Tarot, an online community. Her new book is called Everyday Tarot, Unlock Your Inner Wisdom and Manifest Your Future. Bridget from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia, help me to understand... Oh, I'm so glad that you open your mind up and your heart up to this book because I hope that it is an entryway for you to start connecting with the tarot. I think what often happens with tarot cards is we think it's this like mystical woo-woo thing and we just can't quite wrap our heads around it or perhaps on you know a less positive side we might think oh goodness is this going to make bad things happen in our lives or are we playing with something that's you know uh, not good for us and I want to flip all of that on its head and say tarot is this beautiful tool for helping us become more self-aware and to live our very best lives using our tarot cards and our intuition as a guide so I'm excited for you if you start to play with these cards and get to know them a little bit more. All right. Where did all this idea come from? What's the history? What's the history? Yeah, so back in the 1400s, uh, the tarot cards were more of a like a playing deck and playing cards. And then from that time, they started to evolve into these spiritual lesson cards because in that age, people were quite illiterate. Not many people could read. And so in order to convey a spiritual lesson, the best way to do it was through a picture or a drawing. And so we had the playing cards, that was 56 cards, and then an extra 22 cards were added to the tarot deck. And these were much more about these larger spiritual lessons. Now, fast forward a few hundred years. In the 1800s, the cards started to be used as more of a divinatory practice, so telling the future and telling people's fortunes. And perhaps, you know, a little bit more of the party trick style of reading, but uh, nonetheless, you know, it, it started to take on new shape and form. And then really, if you fast forward to, say, the 1960s, the tarot cards made a resurgence, but in a very different way and much more about a more of a psychology way and self-awareness piece which is what we're really seeing now when people are using tarot cards it's very much about using the cards almost like your personal life coach rather than necessarily predicting what's going to happen to you okay so we're using the cards as a personal life coach so what's happening when we're turning over tarot cards if it's not magic is it our own intuition what what's happening that makes the cards that pop up pop up 
Yeah, absolutely. So when we turn over a card, each card has a picture and really a story to it. So the way I see it working is the visual elements of that story are triggering a message in our subconscious mind. So oftentimes our subconscious speaks to us not through words but through pictures. So we might see a symbol, maybe it's a crown and we think, okay, what does a crown really mean to me? Perhaps this is me about meaning that I'm in a state of success or achievement and it's reflecting this message back into ourselves so that we can go, right, that's what I want to create here. I want to create success and achievement and we start to you know fill our mind with this concept of success and achievement now is there any magic and we were going on there there doesn't have to be it can be purely this mirror to the soul mirror to your subconscious but i tend to think there is a little bit of extra magic in there too because these cards can be quite uncanny sometimes in what they serve to to show you about what's going on in your life all right so i just want to get this I have so many ideas in my head right now. So 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 we can use the cards as a mirror to our to what's going on inside of us. Yes? Yes. So Yes. So sometimes like our conscious mind might be thinking, Oh, you know, you've just had a, a falling out with someone, you're like, Oh, I'm so angry with them But if we draw a card and we see, Oh, you know what? Like there was actually an issue where maybe I wasn't listening to them. Maybe the card shows that you could listen more and so you start to see the situation in a very different light to perhaps what your ego or your conscious mind might have brought up for you in that instant moment. Does that okay. make a little bit more sense? It makes great sense. So the same card could have a different impact or meaning on a person depending on when they chose it, but depending on the day and the situation. Absolutely. So every card has what I say is a core energy or a core meaning to it. And then what we do is we layer on our more personalized connection to that card. So a particular card might be about disagreement, but you start to notice that, well, maybe um, maybe all of the hands are all these different colors in this disagreement card and maybe that's about honouring that we each have different ideas to bring to the table. So your subconscious mind might bring your attention to a certain part of that card that's important to you at that very moment in time and you have the core energy or the core meaning of the card to layer into that, if that makes sense. Yeah, good. So what about the cups and the wands and what's all that about? Yeah, so in the tarot, there are four suits, and it's cups, wands, swords, and pentacles. And each of these suits relate also to the four elements, so water, fire, um, air, and earth. And it really, you know, it represents, say, the cups represent our emotions and our relationships. The pentacles cards represent our um, finances, career, more of that physical, tangible space. The wands are motivation and energy, and the swords are very much about the intellect. And so it starts to provide a really balanced view of our lives and what might be going on in our lives as well. Okay. And what about when the cards are upside down? Yes. So many people think that that's a bad thing and it means, you know, all these terrible things are happening. But the way I see it is when a card is upside down, it's the energy of that card is happening within you. So let's say you're coming back to that um, a card around maybe disagreement. When it's upright, you might be having disagreements with other people, but when it's reversed, you might be experiencing internal conflict or having a, a disagreement with yourself about something. Wow. All right. All right. So if the card is upright, it's on the outside. If it's upside down, it's on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Now, tell me, you created, you were the founder of Biddy 
Tarot? Yeah, that's what right. What is that? So Biddy Tarot is an online learning resource and community that helps people learn how to read tarot. We're most well known for our tarot card meetings. So if you're ever doing a reading and you get a little bit stuck, you can go over to biddytarot.com and understand a little bit more about what that card might mean. We also have a beautiful online community. We have courses and, of course, books such as the Everyday Tarot. Now, what is this I hear about your first deck of tarot you shouldn't purchase yourself? someone should purchase it for you. Did you ever hear that? Oh, yes, but I think that that's fooey. <laughs> so I think when you're choosing a tarot deck, it can be very personal. And I think it's more important that you're choosing a deck that you click and connect with. Now, sometimes when someone gives you a deck, that works perfectly. Other times they might give you a deck and you're like, nah, this is not really for me. So I actually think it's great to go and choose your own deck. And don't worry, you haven't you know, sabotaged the rest of your tarot reading career by doing that. I think it's absolutely okay to buy your own deck. Now, some decks are very elaborate and some are very precise. But you say each card has a specific core message and that doesn't change. That's right. And then when we have different tarot decks, it's as if it's a different visual expression of that core message. So in these more modern decks, you might have perhaps more modern figures in the tarot deck, but it's the same core meaning as your older um, tarot decks, you know, from several hundred years ago. So I think it's really neat because what we're doing and what we're seeing right now is tarot is making this resurgence and it's becoming more modernized and more relatable to where we are right now versus a few hundred years ago when we had things like the pages, the knights and kings and, you know, castles and so on. So it's really neat to see that kind of upgrade in the tarot cards. What's up with the guy hanging upside down on the tree by one leg? Do you know? Okay, this is fascinating. So before each interview I've had today, I've drawn a tarot card. And do you know what card I drew for us? It was the Hanged Man, which is exactly that card you were talking about. Well, How there you go. <laughs> well, there you I go, Missy. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. All right, got to tell me what that card means. Yes, yeah, so the Hanged Man is often about those times in our lives where we need to step back and have a pause. You know, when you're kind of like rushing through life and... Perhaps it happens involuntarily or voluntarily where everything is just put on hold and you just really need to step back and look at things from a different perspective. And you need to surrender to that as well. So it often comes up when, you know, there are unexpected delays, but they all serve a purpose. They're all helping you to get more in alignment with your true path and your true direction. So I wonder if that's being relevant for you too, Casey. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I I am very busy, so a pause is always uh, welcome. But what always fascinated me about that card is the guy looks so happy. I mean, he doesn't look upset. And he also looks like he could just, you know, use his core muscles, flip up and untie himself from the tree. <laughs> he doesn't look like he's tied there permanently. It, the card has always fascinated me. Yeah, that's neat. And do you see how you've already started to create that personal connection and you're seeing that, you know what, he's probably hanging there because he wants to hang there and he's getting some kind of value and benefit from that. So I think that's a beautiful example of how, you know, you're applying your own message and meaning to that card, which is really neat. All right. Now, what did it mean for you in terms of this interview? Well, I was curious about whether it might be um, paused or on hold or something along those lines, but uh, maybe it's just about 
letting go and being in the flow and not forcing things, which I think is really neat. Perfect. And tell me that wonderful website we can go to again. Okay, you'll find me over at biddytarot.com and you can learn, I mean, even if you're a beginner, you've never touched the tarot cards before, we always have tons of free resources to help folks learn the tarot and get to know the tarot and their intuition as well. That's a little bit of magic we had today, Bridget. Thank you. Not planned. That hangman card thing, just part of the design, I guess. And the pause may be this. I spoke to Bridget Esselmont September 25th, but she didn't make it to air until now. Now I hope we can get together soon. Join me Monday night for the Shine On Circle at Marion Thursday the 8th, a Shine On Talk in Pleasantville, then the 11th, a special healing program for women. We will continue on the healing journey. Our thought for the day is from our first guest, Anne Lamott, who gave us the most abbreviated form of the serenity prayer. Bless them. Change me. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.